Welcome to the Nurses for Healthy Environments podcast. I'm Beth Shank, host of the podcast, and this is the final episode in our Nurses Actions for Climate Justice series. Today I have the privilege of participating in a robust discussion among nurses who attended the Global Climate Conference in Glasgow, Scotland, COP26. On the call are Dr. Robin Evans-Agnew, who conducted the interviews for the Climate Justice Series, Dr. Katie Huffling, Executive Director of the Alliance of Nurses for Healthy Environments, Kara Cook, Director of Programs for the Alliance, and Dr. Ruth McDermott-Levy, Professor of Nursing at Villanova University and Co-Director of the Mid-Atlantic Center for Children's Health and the Environment. Today, these incredible nurses share their experiences and reflections on participating at this important meeting. Enjoy. Welcome to the Nurses for Healthy Environments podcast. This is exciting today because we're going to speak with five nurses who attended in person the COP26 climate conference in Glasgow, Scotland this year. And so I'm thrilled to have my colleagues and um, wonderful nurses with me today. So let's just go around and introduce ourselves. Robin, would you start? Absolutely. I'm Robin Evans-Agnew. I'm a, a Associate Professor of Nursing in uh, University of Washington, Tacoma, speaking to you from the, um, uh, uh, the treaty, treaty, treaty uh, and untreated area of the Puyallup uh, Tribe of Nations in um, Tacoma, Washington. Thank you. Uh, Kara Cook. Hi, Beth. It's so great to be here with you all. Um, I am Kara Cook. I'm a public health nurse and the Director of Programs with the Alliance of Nurses for Healthy Environments. Awesome, Ruth. Hi everyone, um, I'm Ruth McDermott-Levy. I am professor of nursing at the M. Louise Fitzpatrick College of Nursing at Villanova University. And I'm also the co-director of Mid-Atlantic Center for Children's Health and the Environment, which is Region 3's PACE2. Cool, thank you. And Katie Huffling. Hi everyone, so great to be here with you today. My name is Katie Huffling. I'm the executive director for the Alliance of Nurses for Healthy Environments. Wonderful. Katie, I'm going to start with you. So tell us particularly why Annie, the Alliance of Nurses for Healthy Environments, attended COP26. And then we'll ask Kara for some follow-up. Sure. Well, um, you know, I think that we um, all agree with um, the World Health Organization that the that climate change is one of the greatest public health threats that we currently face, um, but it's also one of the greatest opportunities for prevention. And we feel really strongly that um, nurses as the largest portion of the healthcare workforce, both in the United States and globally, um, and with our, our holistic perspective on um, healthcare and you know, preventing disease, that having nurses at the table is really important. And um, COP26 is the yearly um, get together of, you know, countries around the world talking about how they can work together to address climate change. And this was unbelievably the first year where there was, you know, a real health voice within the, um, within COP, like, I just find it unbelievable that they, they hadn't had that as, you know, a central theme running throughout 
um, the, the um, negotiations. And so um, it was really amazing to be there. The World Health Organization had their first pavilion at COP. And so every day you could hear from experts from around the world um, talking about how climate change impacts health. And, um, you know, unfortunately we're not, you know, as many nurses that we would have liked to have seen there, but um, we think it was really important that we were there. And now for next year, we know we have some work to do to make sure that that nursing voice is going to be front and center. Cool, it's really exciting. Just like you say with the, First, um, and it is really surprising, first formal focus on health. Um, and it was really cool from outside to watch all the different health groups and the what seemed to be a pretty well-organized, you know, loud commitment to, no, no, we have to remember health. Health has to be central in these conversations. So Kara, you, I know that you, you and, and everyone on the call have worked for this event for months and um, you were there for both both of the weeks and you led a fabulous panel. So tell us about, about your experience there and why, from your perspective, it was so important that Annie was there, why it was a big deal for nursing, what, what happened in that regard? Yeah, um, so this was the first time that Annie had attended this, um, attended COP um, as an organization actually in the, the blue zone, which is the official area where you do have to have observer status for. And um, so we were still kind of getting our feet wet, trying to figure out who the major players are, how do we influence the negotiations? So it was a very much a learning year and we're really excited to be able to be ready to go back um, next year um, to really expand on the work we did this year. Um, but one of the, the reasons I think it's so important for the nursing voice to be present in these discussions and actually civil society in general is that our world leaders are making very important decisions that are impacting the health of people around the world. And nurses, the health community, civil society needs to be involved in that process. And oftentimes the only way to, to influence that is to actually get to the meeting um, get meetings with the negotiators, work with other organizations to kind of strategize how you uplift, you know, the demands that you would like world leaders to put into the negotiations. And another thing, another reason why I think that nurses are, are really important to have their voices represented is that more and more people are starting to recognize how health is impacted by climate change. And what better than nurses who are one of the most trusted professions, as well as make up a large portion of the health workforce to be really pushing to demand action on behalf of health. Yeah, that's so, so, so interesting and important and kind of wild to think about. Those decisions are really being made right there. So as you say, in some ways, the best way to have influence is to be right there, even though I'm sure it's chaotic and a lot is happening at once and it's um, hard processed to engage with in certain ways. That's super cool. So Ruth, I wanna to go to you next to understand um, um, your preparation for COP, your experience a bit, how you're integrating this in your professional role and uh, your faculty role. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I, I was fortunate enough to attend COP24 in Katowice, Poland 
um, in 2018. And I, we didn't, I did not have observer status at that point. So I was just in the green zone. And um, I also attended and actually spoke and represented Annie um, at the Global Climate Health Summit that occurs this Saturday in between. Um, and that's sponsored by the Global Climate and Health Alliance. Um, and, and so Katie and Kara attended that this year as well. I was in second Heathrow listening to it. Um, so um, so it, it was really wonderful to see, again, more nurses here, um, even though there weren't that many. When I spoke at the Global Summit in 2018, I asked the audience how many nurses, and it was myself and one other nurse in the audience, and that was it. It was primarily physicians. And, um, and, and the physicians had a very illness focus in their discussion where nursing tends to be much more rooted in the social determinants and, and those, those more upstream factors. So that is really important for us to be there. Um, the other piece, your question about you know, what next, and um, COP isn't just two weeks out of the year or climate change is not just two weeks out of the year. It is all the time. Every, every moment of the day and night. And so I think this really should be a springboard for what can we do to get things moving and prepare for COP27? And so that's a dialogue that we need to have and we need to have it with our communities. And then as far as teaching, I did teach a class from Scotland um, and shared with the students live what was happening, um, exhausted at that time, because it was 11 p.m. Um, on the East Coast in the US. But, um, and I continue to share with my colleagues and others and actually just wrote, was asked to write a piece for um, uh, Witness, it's a Canadian uh, journal about the experience. So that should be coming out and it gives a big shout out to Annie and all the work we're doing and why nurses are so important. So we need to keep pushing it forward constantly. Thanks Ruth, that's really, really well said. Your reflections about getting started now for next year about the fact that this is not just two weeks of work and we're done for a while and uh, that you're already using it with your students. That's pretty cool. Um, so Robin, those of you who have listened to this podcast series for a while will recognize Robin's voice because Robin has been the interviewer for this wonderful series about environmental justice, the Nurses, Nurses Action for Environmental Justice Agenda. So I think all of us have been involved with that, but Robin, I would ask you to synopsize um, this project, which um, in a certain sense, I, I wouldn't say culminating because it too is never done, but you know, you were working on this project for COP and, and then now are in the process of finalizing the agenda. That's really quite a lift. So first tell us about that and then, and then also about your experience related to it at COP26. Thank you, uh, Beth, and, and honestly, this this climate justice podcast series would not be here without your excellent editing and keeping it going and actually uh, listening to I, I I did spend some time listening to the podcast that you already cast you know I think Annie has been talking about climate justice from the word get go because at the root of climate justice and this is what Jessica Leclerc one of the people on our committee talks about is climate justice is rooted in environmental justice in fact environmental justice thinking has sort of oriented a lot of the other forms of thinking around justice relating to the social determinants of health, right? If we are focused on the social determinants of health inside nursing, and we should be, as Lillian Wald has encouraged us for a hundred plus years, right? To be concerned about that, right? How 
do we address the social conditions within which people live? We have to care about the environments that they're in. There's a lot of ways you can kind of go to get yourself into that particular place. But one of the things that we start off our draft agenda, which is out there right now, and I'll talk a little bit about that um, upcoming. One of the things we started talking about is that nurses work at the frontiers of human experience. And, and right now, this, this frontier is people beginning to develop language around climate-related justice and health issues. People are being impacted more than others. Some groups are worse off than others. As we go through this change, we cannot get through this change just by benefiting the rich country. We're seeing this inside COVID right now in terms of what's happening here. So um, I, 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 I jumped in on this. I, I was motivated to write, write something about climate justice because it's been in, in, in my sort of my core work inside environmental justice. When I came to Annie, Annie already had the groups of people here who've been talking about this, CARA and the climate change group for a long time, uh, these, new, um, uh, these new committees starting like the Annie Latino America Committee, other work going on inside Annie with the nurses drawdown. So a lot of climate related work, what hasn't, what hadn't really been in a deep conversation is about what is that exactly the justice orientation? And that's interesting because in, inside COP26, the justice conversations were kind of happening outside of the blue zone, right? They're kind of, they were happening on the streets. People were doing, having die-ins, people were, people were the, the youth were marching on the streets. Uh, there was an incredible amount of energy. And sometimes people would leave the blue zone, which is, I thought there was more than three, there's just the basic, the blue zone and the yellow zone, the green zone, right? And the green zone is where we had an exhibit, but it was very different. It was on the other side of the river. Uh, right in the middle of um, uh, the conference, there's this the, the, the river that flows through Glasgow. So you had the, the main uh, uh, blue zone be on one side of this river and the green zone was on the other side of the river, which was actually emblematic of partly of the divisions that kind of went on inside COP26. Um, uh, but people were marching, people would go out from the blue zone to join the marches. They had this whole health focus. Um, and nurses should be here. Nurses are here. We are here, right? Um, but right now, there are very few nurses who can even have access to the space to start talking about climate justice and climate change. And if you think about it, nurses wanna talk about this, but they're not allowed to inside their programs. They're not being taught this. They're not being allowed or paid to do climate related work inside their works, even inside public health. So it's, it's no surprise to me that we didn't meet that many nurses there. What was great was we got observer status. We are now in the blue zone. We'll be back again. Kara's right, this is, we are just building the momentum uh, for change and for the way nurses are thought of and looked at as leaders and followers in the future to change to change this, uh, to change to change systems to address climate justice. So I'm excited after what, what we experienced, but it's massive, Beth. It's, it was a, I couldn't believe how big a conference it was. I kind of came back with a big dose of humility in terms of what we're trying to do, because it's, it's, it's massive to try and change the world in 20 years. <laughs> yeah, unbelievable. I don't know whether any of you guys got that. I mean, I just like the number of people, the different communities, the different countries. It's just, 
it's overwhelming the sort of work that we have to do, even amongst nurses, right? Because you hung out with the International uh, uh, Council of Nurses, but we had we had the webinar, right? We had a, we had a webinar in the middle, and that was a huge success, I thought, because we got recognition of that. So Beth, you were one of the main speakers for that. I don't know whether you, I could flip this back a little bit from your interview stance and talk a little bit about that webinar that, that you put on because that kind of materialized while the conference was going on right yeah. you, you came on this opportunity well from my end it was a great opportunity but but Kara and Katie you know you you all had organized it did a fabulous job of of uh, moderating and speaking I thought it was um quite quite interesting I thought it was an excellent panel I learned and was inspired by the other speakers um, I thought it, you know, I just thought it was great that at the World Health Organization Pavilion, there was Annie and ICN getting this word out around, around the world. And I thought, you know, the nurses were, as usual, well-prepared, well-spoken, brilliant, and committed. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm always impressed with nurses, honestly. But, but Kara and Katie, what did you think? And Ruth, Ruth was there helping support it as well. I can talk a little bit about how um, kind of the, the generation, the idea started for hosting the webinar. Um, we've, we've partnered with the International Council of Nursing for a long time now on climate change and health. And it's really been exciting to see their leadership grow in this area. And they actually approached us um, to see if we'd like to participate or co-host this webinar with them in the WHO pavilion as part of the, a part of the health program. And it was also really excited that the CEO, Howard Caton, wanted to participate in the webinar along with Annie's ED, Katie Huffling, who's here. Um, so that just really kind of shows how, how important this topic is to the leadership within those the two organizations, as well as how important it is to really kind of infuse that and get the word out to members affiliated with both Annie and ICM. And, um, we really wanted it to be a webinar that focused, focused on systems and institutional and policy level change because we know those are really big drivers if we wanna move action forward. And so we pulled together this really amazing panel of nurse speakers, including Beth, who really exemplify action at those intersections and to really uplift the, the nursing work being done um, in collaboration with the health community as a whole. It went well. Katie, what would you add? Well, I, Kara did such a great job pulling everything together, so organized. It, it, um, it, I couldn't have asked for a more smoothly running webinar, though we were all um, practically having heart attacks leading up to it because <laughs> of all the tech issues. So, yeah. Because we ended up, we had, you know, we were, um, the webinar was towards the end of the two weeks. And so we were able to um, sit through a number of other presentations at the WHO Pavilion. And we quickly recognized that the ones that were most engaging had a few people in person and a few people online. So we originally were just going to do a virtual webinar. We ended up um, a couple of days before switching to partially in person and partially um, online, but I think it, it went really great. And our speakers, I thought, 
had such different systems level perspectives. So you, Beth, you know, as being the executive director for the environmental initiatives, you know, one of the largest health systems in the country. Um, we had another speaker talk who um, works with Doctors Without Borders talking about how nursing, which is just like in other health systems, is the largest portion of the healthcare workforce within that organization and how they were leading change um, as an example of how nurses can engage in climate change. Um, and then also how um, nurses are leading um, within our educational institutions. Um, you know, we need to be coming at climate change from all these different avenues. There's not just one um, solution. So I think, you know, for me, hearing all of these different stories of what nurses are doing, these successes, it's just so inspiring. And it makes me just bubble up with so many different ideas of things that Annie as an organization can do, but also I think helps the nurses that we work with um, see the, the potential in, in, in being a nurse and working in this area. Yeah, it's pretty cool. R Ruth, anything to add about that? The only thing I'll say is, uh, I, I like many of us, I've been with Annie since the very early days when we were just, you know, four work groups getting the job done. And it was amazingly powerful to see Annie at the WHO Pavilion. That, you know, that, that we were being highlighted as, a, you know, a major um, player and also that nurses were being highlighted. Um, so, it, 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 you know, I just, I just wish everyone was there to be able to see that because it was just so powerful. And as everyone said, we had amazing panelists, including yourself, Beth. Um, so it, it was it was awesome. <laughs> can, I, can I just jump in on that? I mean, I think mm -hmm. that that's, that's the thing that surprised me because I'm a newcomer really to Annie. I mean, I've heard about Annie. I've been doing environmental justice work for a long time, but I really kind of was embraced by you guys this year to help do this climate justice stuff. So I'm totally thankful to everybody in the room here. But what, one of the things that I, I realized early on and sort of like the reading around climate justice is that Annie is recognized in the literature too, as being sort of like this first organization to kind of step out and, and, and rethink what nursing's role and work is. You can, you can tie it if you want to our historical foundations, but it's a little bit wobbly, right? To say that nurses need to be caring for both people and the planet. For, to have nurses caring about the planet, which I think inside the Annie audience we get, but to kind of advance that that's why I think the recognition comes from, because we have a division, right? We have the social justice protesters working on human related issues, marching outside, saying our futures are at stake. And then you have environmental scientists on the inside who've done all the predicting around global climate change and all of the sort of stuff that's going to happen and the machines and the things that need to change. And you, you can't, you can't, this divide between environmentalists and humanists has, has to, has, there has to be a connection. And I think that Annie is providing that connection. As nurses, we see a division between environmentalists and people doing social justice work, and we're trying to bring them together and saying, we got to care for both right now as nurses. This is this is where our urgent need is. Anyway, that's that's what I was getting out of it. That's why I think Annie's role is really important right here. I, I was having so, somewhat similar thoughts, maybe not exactly, but but 
I, I have kind of a, just an open question often, and, and it's, it is about what is it about nurses and nursing that is so essential, that is unique, even though we're the most common healthcare provider, the skills we bring in, in a variety of ways are uh, essential, fundamental, and also often not seen or overlooked. And I, I was thinking during that panel, listening to the speakers, um, and also, as I say, it's often a question in my mind because, because you know, like you all, I'm so convinced that that I feel this urgency so much about our climate crisis, and I feel like we have something to offer, and we are offering it. And what is it, what what is it that is unique about nursing? Even though, as I say, we're we're the most common. Uh, of of the health professionals in the world were the most frequent. We, there's the most of us. So some of what you were saying, the ability to to cr cross and span, to integrate, to relate big picture upstream issues with cellular, you know, manifestations. But I wondered if some of you would comment on that, especially after your experience at COP. And, and I'm not trying to just say nurses have the, are the only ones with answers, but I'm wanting to clarify for us and for nurses, what, what are some of the strengths that we bring that are so crucial for, for, the, for getting through this? I'll jump in. You know, I also think in addition to those, I think we are excellent translators, that we can translate that really complex scientific information to any audience. So, you know, we can work with our physician colleagues and our other healthcare professional colleagues, but we can also work with community members who may not have, um, certainly may not have advanced degrees, but may not even have a very high level of formal, formal education, and we can help them understand those issues. And so that is one of the reasons why we are so good at this environmental health stuff, that we can, you know, because that is complex. And we can help people see that relationship between their human body down to the cellular level and the, the world that they live in and, and why they are both important and why they can promote their health and their future. I was just going to add, I think also when it comes to environmental justice and climate justice, nurses have, have really, there, there's a, a history in nursing in, in which nurses have really kind of been allies to environmental justice community or climate justice communities and really joined those fights to help amplify what environmental justice communities are, are calling for and the solutions within those communities. And so I think that's also really powerful, that collaboration that can happen. And it's not just with communities and nursing, but nurses, communities, government agencies, or you know, a variety of partners that we, we work with are very collaborative, very interdisciplinary. And I think those skills that we, we utilize within nursing practice can be applied to issues such as climate change. So Kara, let me follow up a moment. Do you have a sense of why? Why, why are nurses prone to be that way? Why, why is it that historically nurses have engaged with, with justice so deeply, really? Any thoughts? I have a couple of thoughts. They may not be the right answers, but um, I think because just as the sheer numbers of nurses that we tend to be in a lot of communities. And so, you know, we may have nurses who are living in environmental justice communities or close to them or working with them. And so once you, once you see 
the health impacts that that people are experiencing. I, there's something innate within nurses where they're like, well, we, I need to speak out on this because you know someone's being harmed. And then I think uh, the other piece is, and I can't remember if it was Katie who mentioned it, just nurses have this, this way of approaching problems holistically. And so we know that in order to promote health, we need to look beyond healthcare facilities. And so I think that's just another innate quality to nursing is, okay, where is this person what is the environment that they're living in and how might that be influencing their health? Ruth, go ahead. Well, uh, and I think I'd be run out of town if I didn't mention this. <laughs> also part of our education. I mean, we're educated in, you know, the, the humanities piece as well as the, the sciences. And so we are prepared to be able to do that and, and our history as well. I think what I think what Ruth and Kara said is great, and it completely fits into our climate justice agenda for nursing because um, we picked the just transition framework, right, which talks about moving from an extractive economy to a regenerative economy. Okay, so um, inside of that, it, it's taking complex ideas and explaining them to people, right, across different kinds of um, areas of human experience, right? From the very local to the regional, to the national, to the international. And I think nurses have always gotten that because they, they, come from, um, uh, they, they come from working with people who are experiencing oppression and they need to speak out for those people. That's what Kara was talking a, a, a lot about. The, the other part that I think that nurses get more than anything else is what I was taught in nursing school, right? Um, it, most people cure but very few people work on healing and nurses work on healing. They work in the healing place, right? And so when you look at where, where to heal, it's about recuperation, right? You do, you do prevention. We, a lot of people talk about prevention, but we're good on talking about prevention and nursing. Interventions, a lot of people inside health are doing interventions, right? But the recuperation, that's nurses work or being a lot of our nurses work. We need that in spades for climate change, right? We are going to need, it's people, the two discourses, dominant discourses in COP that I picked up on were mitigation and, um, and uh, adaption, right? How do we adapt? Adaption is all about recuperating, right? Once a, a, a trauma has occurred inside a community because of, uh, because of some, something unjust, or because of a climate, uh, because of a climate-related injustice, once something that the recuperation that needs to happen is about helping communities begin to adapt um, and and to begin to manage that, and and that healing work is nursing work. So yeah, you know, I'm sort of excited about that. I want to put in a plug for the climate justice agenda uh, that we have about two more weeks, three more weeks. To, uh, we're, we're going to be closing comments on the climate justice agenda soon because we want to be able to, it's a draft agenda right now, but we want to kind of get it out um, as a finished agenda for the committee before the end of the year. So that's really uh, uh, what I've got sort of like staring down the, 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 the corridor at, the, at our final meeting coming up on December 15th. So um, really getting people's comments in, but people can kind of come and look at this agenda after that. And it's on this, on the Annie webpage, uh, the climate justice webpage.
which was another great success. And, and a great thanks to Annie for hosting a climate justice webpage. I think we are the first uh, nursing organization to do that. Um, not to belabor the point, but Robin, could you just explain uh, for people who may not be familiar with the climate justice, the nurse's agenda and the kind of uh, feedback you want? I think all of us are, are familiar with it, but could you just describe briefly the purpose of it, what you hope to do with it, and um, maybe a bit of why you're trying to get uh, many voices? Yeah, we, we've just been in discussions all year trying to broaden uh, input from nurses around the world on this. Um, I first, in my all, full humility, said to Katie, let's do one for uh, the United States. And I think she said, let's go global with this, because <laughs> that's really where Annie is positioning themselves. And it was, it, it's a great challenge. We've talked to nurses from um, a lot of these, Ruth is Ruth known as students, but we've had great connections with nurses from Uganda, Kenya, Finland, Oman, um, and, and Annie Latino America has been tremendously helpful with this, plus Cana uh, Canadian nurses and um, indigenous nurses from, from, from Canada. So we've had some great conversations and nurses in, in the United States as well. Um, so we've had a great, great input um, on this agenda. And uh, it's, it's really focused on trying to copy what was, there was, a, there was an original agenda, a climate justice set of principles written called the Bali Principles that were written in 1991 uh, by a bunch of advocacy organizations, uh, kind of environmental ad advocacy organizations, but realizing that humans were being impacted by climate change. And so we, we, we you know, been inspired by that, but really kind of centered down onto the, the five principles, the five core domains that nurses should be working in. Upstream, uh, ecological, educational, uh, uh, e ecological, economic, ideological, political, and social systems. So all of those involve some form of education inside of that, but really um, that was what we wanted to try and explain to people in, in, the, in the green zone. We, I think we did a pretty good job. We had this great, um, Kara had organized, way to go uh, on getting all of those images in there. And one of those images, did you know this? Did you know that Kara, that uh, one of the images that the nurses shared, it was Deanne Shepherd from our, from our podcast series. Uh, Deanne shared a, a, an image, a beautiful image of her ice fishing, I think it was, or something else like this when she was talking about uh, food justice and, 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 and work of being connected to the earth. Um, another great, great podcast, totally moved by, by people around this, but really thinking around how we can go upstream in shaping um, the world. And when we talked to people who came to our booth, they were kind of like, why are nurses? Why nurses? Why, why do nurses care about climate change? <laughs> Which I think is going to be the big, the big challenge for mm -hmm. nurses who care about climate change is how to put it in the frame of, oh, I care about the environment in my spare time. And then I, I go and I work in a hospital or I work in a unit in a clinic or I work in public health, but none of what I do for my work has anything to do with climate change. I think we, that's our, that's one of our major challenges going on is to try and link those two. When people came to our booth, you know what I ended up doing? And I felt a bit bad about this. I don't know whether any of you had this same thing when you talk to people at the booth, but I was kind of like, well, you know, nurses work in hospitals. 
And we do a lot of, you know, I talked about circular economies, which is actually item number two in our economy and, and, and health uh, climate justice thing. Um, and, and Joanne Law, we did a, a podcast a long, long time about that. She taught me a ton about circular economies inside healthcare. But really, there's tons more to talk about how nurses can be involved and should be caring about climate change. I don't know whether you had that impression when people came up and they say, why are nurses involved with this? It was a good teachable moment because as soon yeah. as you, you talk to them a little bit, they're like, oh, yeah, actually, that does make sense. Okay. <laughs> I love the lady who came up and she had like a Glasgow football team woolly hat on and she was quite small and diminutive, but she was very curious as to why nurses would be involved in this. And, and she had a very strong accent. It was a little difficult to understand, like talking through masks and everything else like that. But we really actually engaged mostly with members of the curious public who were able to come into the green zone and interact with us. I, we did actually, and I will say something about the booth because I came the day before and there were uh, a bunch of ER um, uh, physicians, not necessarily nurses who were there but respiratory therapists, physicians and respiratory therapists talking about uh, nitrous oxide and, and other sorts of gases that they can be doing a better job uh, retaining inside their practices. So, I mean, it's, it's clear across healthcare systems, people are thinking differently around climate change. I'll just add, I, I think it was really exciting to be able to have conversations with people who um, didn't realize that nurses were working at this intersection. And so it was, really exciting to be able to share what nurses were doing. I actually um, spoke with one woman who was writing a book and she wanted to amplify stories of people working in the climate movement. And she interviewed me and it was just really exciting to say, hey, as a nurse, I'm working on climate change and this is why. Cool. And, and conversely, it was interesting to hear about what other people were doing as well. Um, so people were sharing, you know, their actions with climate. Um, my, one of my favorites was uh, learning with grandma. Um, they have a Facebook page. And so uh, grandparents are um, recognizing and, and of course aware of the environmental impacts and, and trying to then target their grandchildren to, you know, make an impact. So everybody's doing work. That's cool. Well, listen, we're about getting, wrapping up on time, but I want to ask each of you, if you'd just comment on a couple more thoughts, and those are, was there something surprising, interesting, challenging, or enlightening for you? And also, um, how, how might you see this experience impacting your personal lives or your professional lives in, as, as a nurse or in other roles? Who'd like to start? I'll, I'll jump in. Uh, you know, and I've, I've said this a couple of times, uh, Katie and Kara and I were roommates while we were there. Katie got us this amazing Airbnb in Glasgow. But um, it was enlightening to me to be reminded of what the barriers are to moving forward. Our, our policymakers really do want to do the right thing. Um, and so one of the, the discussions that we heard about was, one of the related to deforestation is one of the reasons that um, Brazil in particular was limited in uh, wanting to move forward with deforestation is because it, it influ influences the cocoa plant 
And then it, that affects the prices of cocoa and may make children have to leave school to pick the plant to bring income to the family. And so kind of those, those compounded um, unintended consequences are things that we need to think about because you know you get angry of why won't they move forward and it's because of things like that and so that was good to be reminded of that and so we need to think about how we can help people move forward uh, and and so as I said I think we what I'm going to do and I've already been on the phone is um, because of my role with um, region three which is uh, Pennsylvania uh, Pennsylvania Delaware, Maryland, Virginia, West Virginia, and DC, um, is I, I wanna bring together uh, some of the leaders in the area in many different disciplines to talk about how do we move forward in our region. Um, and so, you know, and, and what we hope is we'll be the template for the other nine regions in the US um, to get them moving so that we will go back to COP27 very prepared of, and have our policymakers um, prepared to address this. Well, I think um, as others have said here, like COP is so huge and you don't realize how big it's gonna be until you get in there. Um, they were expecting over 35,000 people in the blue zone. Um, and especially having been home alone during the pandemic for so long, yeah. it was very jarring. So I have to say people were incredibly good about wearing their masks and you know, lots of, um, systems were in place to prevent um, COVID, but um, that, so that, that was a shock. One of the unfortunate statistics, though, that folks were talking about um, was that, um, you know, we were, our organization was able to get three tickets um, as, as an observer. And so there's, you know, all these other organizations um, non-governmental organizations that, that get observer status and can give their tickets out to other folks. So you can give it to, you know, university students, or we can give it to another Annie nurse. So you, they, they have some leeway. And, and so there were, were um, over 500 fossil fuel lobbyists mm -hmm. who were able to get tickets and were attending and having, you know, able to be, um, moving some of the, the discussions, you know, in favor of, you know, their, their uh, polluting industries. And this was in contrast to only around 250 indigenous representatives mm. that were there. And so, you know, and these are the folks that are on the front lines feeling the biggest impacts of climate change. And yet there are only, you know, half the number there um, compared to the fossil fuel lobbyists. So I think, um, you know, I, I hope that the, the folks at COP will be looking at that and trying to shift those um, differences. Um, but, you know, I, I feel really hopeful and excited for our organization. I like moving into a global space. I think that there's so many, so much opportunity. I mean, we're already connecting with other nursing organizations around the world, talking about what we can do leading up to COP. Like, I think it's a really good kind of organizing tool, but it's for long-term change and for long-term action within the nursing community and part of the larger healthcare community. Like, how can we be working together to transform the healthcare system and our communities? Um, you know, I'm just really excited about all the potential um, that, that has come out of this. So um, we have lots to work on in between yeah. now and COP 
27 in Cairo, but it, it, it's really, um, I think it's gonna be really fun work and really meaningful work. That's great to come out with a, with a bit of optimism and kind of like a shot in the arm about tangible exactly. next steps. That's cool. Robin. I want to salute Katie for espousing principle number three <laughs> of climate justice agenda, which is expose corporate greed. Um, very important, really, really important. That was actually one of my going to be one of my sort of big takeaways as well, is that um, big industry is a partner, right, inside this. And um, it's, a, it's, it's, it's just as difficult managing big industry lobbying uh, on our national level inside the United States. It's, pro it's, it's even bigger trying to navigate that on a global level. Uh, thankfully, Annie has experience doing that. Annie has experience fighting big industry, uh, fighting, uh, fighting, fighting the uh, fossil fuel lobby and others. I would say that there are other industries that we need to be guard, guarding about who will be entering this space uh, as, as nurses build a window into it, which is the healthcare industry. I think we have to be really careful about that because there is some greenwashing going on inside healthcare industry right now with regards to climate change and climate justice. So I'm gonna be really interested in kind of watching that in the future. And what I'm doing personally, I'm on sabbatical. That's how I have this amount of time to do all of this kind of work. But um, when I get back, I, I'm, I'm exploring and working in, um, uh, in uh, the, it, Tacoma has um, an amazing river uh, that uh, takes most of the snow from Mount Rainier and pours out into our Puget Sound Basin through the, through the, through the Puyallup Tide Flats. And the Tide Flats have been completely occupied by industry for the last 40 or 50 or 60 years, uh, mainly um, uh, carbon uh, intensive industries. Uh, there's been a lot of poisoning of those Tide Flats. And there are some areas where we've been working on healing them. And Bradley Thompson was one of the people I interviewed in the podcast. Um, he's given me the inspiration to carry on figuring out how to teach about healing mm. on the Tide Flats for nurses. And I'd like to bring nurses cool. into the Tide Flats and to develop some kind of a climate justice program or um, teaching opportunity and research opportunity and to really build a site where there can be healing between uh, people uh, that work in fossil fuel industries uh, and people that live in trailer parks that are in trailers on the sides of roads in the middle of the tide flats and the other kinds of ghastly extractive things that we've been doing. Uh, we can move to regeneration, but we really have to begin the practice by connecting ourselves to the land um, and to the treaties that were originally there that negotiated how that land will be used. And that's super, super difficult, but important nursing work for me. Thanks, Robin. Kara. The main kind of focus of COP and commitments is around this idea of net zero. And that's, that is a greenwashing technique because for communities um, where there's heavy pollution, um, what net zero kind of means overall is that that big polluters, they can still pollute while saying doing things like carbon offsets or saying they'll rely on technologies that maybe haven't been quite developed yet. And so I think 
you know, knowing that piece and then listening to our EJ allies, um, really making sure that in future cops and in between the cops too, is that we are speaking out against this idea of, of net zero and pushing um, countries to, to actually make commitments that stop pollution, stop emissions of greenhouse gases, rather than relying on technologies or false solutions as the environmental justice community um, identifies them as. And so I think that's a really big piece that we can be elevating in the conversation. And then I'll just add one more thing. Um, one of the most exciting pieces for me in terms of our participation at COP was to be able to work with our partner North Nurse partner organizations, non-nursing organization, non-health organizations. Um, one of our long-term partners that Annie's worked with is Climate Action Network. And they have historically had a large presence at these um, conferences and they were able to loop us in into some of their um, strategic processes and, and activities to influence negoci negotiations. And so it was really a great opportunity for myself and Annie as an organization to be able to represent um, or to, to speak on behalf of um, the importance of health um, in, in these negotiations and ensuring that we are moving forward with solutions because of the health impacts and protecting communities. Um, and so I'm really excited to see that, that kind of collaboration grow between organizations and civil society organizations to ensure that we're really having that collective voice that holds our world leaders accountable and also pushes them to go further. Here, here. Robin, did you want to make a comment about the Oh my agenda? gosh. Well, Karis <laughs> is talking about the agenda. She just talked about number 11, applying the precautionary principle in decision-making relating to introducing new technologies and employing old and untested technologies, because you're going to hear people talking about technology as the solution to climate change. And we know that technology it can be also the, the bane of climate justice in the work that we are doing. So she, she did, gave you a great example about that. And social systems and health in the domain of that, number 31, our last one is involve and participate with communities in climate justice actions through assessment, planning, activism, mitigation, adaption, and restoration. And that's exactly what Kara's talking about in terms of the global stage. Couldn't, couldn't have said it better. Thank you. Thank you. So I hope all the listeners are totally keyed into this nursing agenda for climate justice. And even if you hear this months down the road, please do go check it out. It'll be posted on the Annie website and we'll have the um, link in the show notes. Um, I just want to wrap, we're, we're wrapping up, but I'll, I'll add my comments just about the experience. I participated in COP during the second week, but I did it from the United States, but I had blocked my calendar, so I really could attend quite a lot, and there's so much, it's overwhelming, and I didn't have to walk between buildings, so in some ways I thought, well, I could probably attend more talks. Um, I spent a fair amount of time with the Sustainability Innovation Forum and also Bloomberg Green, both I found very, very interesting, probably pretty different from your experience, but um, new ideas, some new technologies, um, different strategies for communication, uh, what people are doing, comments from NGOs, government, including John Kerry and, um, and also business. Um, and I actually came away rather heartened. I'm kind of surprised. Um, 
but heartened because there's so many solutions. I just love the, I love hearing from, you know, hundreds or thousands of people at the same time, what everybody's working on, because it's just like, oh, that's great. Good. Go, you know, and just really the sense of, of ability, ability to, to handle this. Cause sometimes it feels like, whoa, we are really behind the eight ball here. And so that was heartening. Um, I also paid close attention. It's a little bit related to what you were saying, Kara, about, but I, I was seeing it more from an accountability lens, partly because I'm working on that about how are we really going to specifically reduce emissions? And, and I'm working on this in healthcare, obviously, and, and we're not manufacturing, but we use a lot of manufactured products. So I've spent many hours a week, I mean, every day, thinking and working about that. So I was really listening closely to conversations about um, carbon accounting and carbon accountability. And this very enormous uh, unresolved question of how's this gonna work? How's it gonna work between nations with um, reparations? How's it gonna work for really measuring um, any movement or lack thereof? And I think that that's not resolved. I mean, we've had the greenhouse gas protocol for 25 years and I think it is not resolved. So I'm very uh, paying close attention to that global conversation. Um, how will this experience change my work and life? It's really kind of wind in the sails, I think. It's kind of like, okay, this is, this is great to see. We're on the right track. We're, you know, I feel, again, rather heartened by, by all the people who are working in this direction. I do feel like many nations have turned the corner. I feel like um, the um, willingness of, of business to address and also those, I mean, it's kind of shocking to hear the $130 trillion looking for investment opportunities in green technology. That is a probably a plus minus, but super interesting to watch at least for scale uh, change on a global scale. So how to anchor that all in what we're talking about in terms of justice and in terms of nursing's commitment to health, wellness, healing, justice, that is, uh, that is quite the uh, interesting um, opportunity and challenge. And I have to say, I am so pleased to be able to talk with all of you today and to be on this path with you right now in this time of Earth's existence. And, and thank you for spending the time today. Is there anything else anybody would like to say? Love in action, everybody. Get out there, take action, spread love. Here, here. Thank you, Beth. Thank you, Beth. Hey, thank you. Many thank yous to Robin, Katie, Kara, and Ruth. It was fascinating to hear everyone's perspective on COP26. I heard optimism and energy and also clarity about pitfalls and challenges in the work ahead. As they said, there is plenty to do. And I am so glad Annie is committed and organized for effectiveness. This is the final episode in the Nurses Action for Climate Justice podcast series. Special thank you to Dr. Robin Evans-Agnew for identifying marvelous nurses and conducting the interviews with them. It has been an illuminating deep dive into the complex concept of climate justice. This is also the final episode in season four of the Nurses for Healthy Environments podcast. Keep your ears open for season five in 2022. Thanks for listening. Check us out at envirn.org and please subscribe, comment, and share the podcast. Talk to you next time.